Stop wasting time with good-looking people. They have the personality of a tree trunk. But it's okay to dine and dash. Wow, okay. Oh. Don't bother going to uni, just get kidnapped for a couple of months. Break out of it, Netflix show, ding-dong, you're set. <laughs> this week, we are doing Unpopular Opinions. This is very much the episode where, as the title suggests, we say things that are deeply unpopular. And so, you know, in this episode, you are going to hear things you don't agree with. That's the, that's the whole point of this episode, okay? So if you don't like hearing things outside of your normal consciousness, this isn't the episode for you, all right? But, but keep watching. Um, we've got lots to talk about, haven't we, this week? Lots of points, lots of things to discuss, lots of controversial statements to be made. Yeah, loyal listeners might recognise that we've uh, we've been here before. It's not mm-hmm. our first rodeo with the unpopular Ooh. opinions, but... In the words of Michael Jordan, the first time was so nice, so we've had to do it twice. Exactly, exactly. I mean, in the last episode, I did slag off David Attenborough, for those of you who didn't see it. So, you know, that's very much where we're going to be going with this episode. I'm going to slag him off again. We're going to do it again, actually. That's my first point. Uh, Do you want to go first? Uh, I will go first. And, uh, you know, this is not going to go down well, because a lot of people love them. What is the point of horses? Wow. Okay. Tell me. They used to be useful. Back in the day, you would need them for transportation. I'm talking cowboys. I'm talking horse and carriage. I'm talking that era. Victorians. I'm mm-hmm. Since the turn of the 20th century, they've been rendered practically useless by the invention of the motor car. The There's motor no point. Car. The motor car. The motor engine. You know what I'm talking about. It's not clippity clop anymore. It's room room. And it the has motor- been now for more than... <laughs> it has been now for more than 100 years. And I was sitting around thinking... They're practically a waste of space, aren't mm-hmm. they? I would call for a horse genocide. Mm, I'd love to. I'd love to see that. I'd, I'd yeah, to, let's live stream it. Let, let me let me pose you a question. Go on. What is the point of horses? Tell they, me. They serve no purpose, all right? And I think it's very telling that we've got to the point where we're now doing like the hopping on horse, like horses and doing races and stuff and betting and all that kind of stuff. Yep. So like it's, got, it's got to a point where it's like we can't find any use for these things. Should we just should we just jump on them and just start riding them? <laughs> Just, just jump on ride. it. Just jump on it. That's my philosophy. <laughs> but, I, but, but to me, horses, the only use that they seem to have is that they just stand around eating grass all day. So are they like glorified lawnmowers or something like mm-hmm. that? You can't even eat them. The horse meat scandal showed that because Tesco was slipping them into ready meal lasagnas and everybody was up in arms going, this is not what, you know, this is not for human consumption. Okay. If you can't eat them, in terms of farmyard animals, they automatically rank below sheep, cows, Mm-hmm. chickens mm-hmm. as well so what's the point you can't eat them you can keep them as a pet some people keep them as a pet and the people that keep them as a pet really love them we all know a horse girl don't we too many they're, we know too many horse girls size. they're all a bit weird as well aren't they all a bit weird they do like the center of attention a bit too much mm-hmm. but they're too big to even domesticate into your own home so you keep them as a pet but you can't keep them you've got to keep them in what a stable a separate outhouse ages away who's you know unless you've got a garden big enough for a stable to ride a horse around which not many people do. The stable's probably full of shit, so you've got to clean that. Literally. Massive, massive inconvenience. That's what I mean. It's massive in shoveling that horse shit. Mm-hmm. Massive thing, inconvenience. I think for me, horses are very pretentious animals. You know, you have them, they've got all like the manes have been all nicely done out and you t- the tail's fluffing behind them. It's very pretentious, very flowy, very sort of, oh, look at me, yeah. isn't it? And it's got to the point where they do the equestrian, or is it equestrian? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Olympics. dancing around and it's all this sort of like the horse giving it like, like that. <laughs> it's sort of like, that is not <laughs> giving it like, uh, well, look at me. Like, he's giving it all that, and it's like that's just pathetic, isn't it? Get any it is, it's, that is not a sport. And also, if you own a horse, how many times on average are you riding it a week? I would say once or twice you go into the stable to ride that horse. So it's like what, going a second car, isn't it? What's the point? What's the what's the honestly, what's the point? Is it like a status symbol? And in which case, on this podcast, we hate status symbols. So get rid. For me, the case has been built here. I haven't even finished. I've not even finished. Mm, go on. You think when you ride the horse, the horse is enjoying that? No, no chance. Why is it? It's looking your right. 50, 60, maybe even 70 kilograms, you know, mm-hmm. if, you're, uh, if you're pushing it a bit with Sounds the quality more. street or whatever. Although jockeys are on the smaller side, aren't they? This is my hypothesis. I think horse racing is this just to make short people feel uh, better about themselves. Good point. And that's the most valid point we'll make tonight. I think probably I would say so. The sport as a whole, it's just there to encourage gambling. When did we want to encourage gambling? You know, you have a ten pound free bet. I'm a sucker for that, but that's not gambling, really. Mm-hmm. No risk involved in that yeah. free bet, is there? Do it. Yeah. But people with you know, loads of money, hundreds, of, hundreds, of thousands of pounds on horses a year, right? Why? It's just they it's don't even know they're time. racing. They don't even know they're racing. No. 
And we and they end up slapping him, hitting him about. No, 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 just kill him. I yeah. mean, that's what we're saying. And Forget yeah. the hitting and slapping, just kill him. That's animal abuse. And also the most famous horse of all time, Black Beauty. You ever mm-hmm. read that? What a waste. What a waste of time. That was waste of pages, waste of paper, waste of ink. Horse gets abused, gets a new owner, lives happily ever after. That's mm-hmm. it. You know, I'm not even going to preface that with a spoiler alert because I've saved you reading 300 pages of literal horse crap. Thank him, if anything. Do you know what I mean, thank him for that. What use does a horse have? No, I completely agree. Horses are are pretty boring. I mean, I don't. There's occasionally one that you know is nice to look at or whatever. But once you've looked at it, it's like, what else are you there for? What What are you doing for me here? Like, what's the point of you? What? Yes, you can gallop around, but look at me. Ooh. Just running around, just running yeah. around endlessly in like, circles. Yeah, go on, grow up is what I'd say. Grow it's up. just, it's just not. They're just not for me. And I understand that people out there that like them really do like them and give mm. them names and you know, you know. Comb the mane or whatever the Percy, but they spend they spend a lot of time with those horses. That's all I'm saying. Something must be going down. But for me, no use anymore. Can't use it as transport. Mm-hmm. If you own one, you can't keep it in your house. Too big, which is a bit obnoxious of anything. You know, we'll keep the ponies because they're a nice size. I get that. They're cute. Horses too big. Can't keep them, and you have to shovel their shit. Sorry. And also, when you see them on the road as well, like taking up space on the road, we've got to slow down, oh, carefully yeah. overtake them. And like where I used to live was quite rural, and you'd see them mm. all the time, and they'd be going the other way, and I'd have to slow down my jog or whatever, or pull over to the side. And it's like, can't be doing that. Come like on. Obnoxiously clip clopping down the road as the tail yeah. wags in your slow face. Slow as they like. Get off the road. Get off the road. Sure, like they're a... an off road animal. What are you doing on the road, Clip? Just get on. Get on the field. That's where you also, belong, on the grass. Also, it is definitely a status thing as well. It's look at me, I'm higher up than you. And it's they like they like yeah, being but... higher up. It's like getting a Land Rover, isn't it? It's like I'm higher up than you <laughs> kind of thing. That's very much the sort of like the prehistoric Land Rover in a way. In a way. But it doesn't have a motor engine, so it doesn't really compare to the, to the speed. A, a, horse, engine. a horse is one horsepower when you think about it. Good point. And that's slow. That is slow. No good point. I completely agree with that point. Yes, get rid of them. That's a cool. We've killed off all the horses. Good. Next. I think we've done, we've done everybody a favour there. On to my first point. Stop dating good-looking people. Okay? Stop it. Do us all a favour. We know good-looking people. Okay? We, we, we know everything we need to know about them. All right? They either have no personality or they treat you badly. Okay? So stop wasting time with good-looking people. They have the personality of a tree trunk. All right? There is no need to get near them, get close to them. Why are you even spending your time talking to Hugo, who lives in West London or whatever? He's a model (laughs) and all this. Like, get a grip. All right? He's the least interesting person you'll ever meet. He's got no personality, and he's dining out on a nice haircut that he's had for the last five years that got him into the modeling career. Okay? So don't bother with him. Give Gavin from Preston a go. All right. He's a six out of 10. He's got a heart of gold. Great relationship with his mum. And yes, he, you know, yes, he looks like a pogo stick with hair, but give him a chance. <laughs> give him a chance because he will love you. And he will love you in the way that you should be loved as well. Whereas Hugo, all looks, no chat. It feels it feels very uh, anecdotal. Does this does this point? And, you know, it's does very it? specific. I'm not sure. Well, if all the guys that I'm trying to get with sure Hugo. You're, not sure if you're struggling right now because you're in competition with the Hugos of this world, aren't you? And I think you'd not, rather not be in, in West London. I think you'd rather be in competition with all the Gavins in this world, won't you? I think I think that's that's you're trying to get rid of the competition. There is good logical thinking behind the idea that better looking people do have more boring personalities because they, they do. do say that being ugly at school. It's very character building. So, I mean, if you do want a tip for me, it's be ugly at school, build that character, and then have a glow up after school. And then you have the looks and the personality. And you've got one up on Hugo and one up on Gavin the Bogo's tip from Preston. If only you did that, that would, that would be fantastic. If only. I, I do think it in, in general, though, from what I've seen anecdotally, men are more, more superficial when it comes to dating than women. And women do like getting to know a man's personality i think that's evolutionary i can't i can't really cite my source on that mm. i've read that somewhere men do just go for the raw kind of yeah she's got a nice pair of tits whereas the women Rests. the women do actually like getting to know a man and that's why they use dating apps less i'd say than, than men i'd say essentially dating apps are very surface level i think they'd rather meet men in person and, and evaluate them 
evaluate them there. But we shouldn't mm-hmm. take away from you guys because at the end of the day, right? If he's fortunate enough to have been born into good looks, right? And he's spending to it. He's spending money honing the hair on the clothes, putting the effort in as we do every week. Mm. He deserves that female attention or male attention. I suppose you do get good looking gay men occasionally as well. He deserves that attention. It's survival of the fittest. I'm not in the business of rewarding failure and complacency, unfortunately. But I I just think you're not getting any action. Put the effort in and you will. No, but the thing with good looking people is they haven't had to hone a personality. They haven't, they don't need to do that because they've had that tension coming naturally to them. And so you end up with, with, you know, a boring person in a relationship with them and you end up inevitably going through the sort of the trials and tribulations of being with this person who, you know, all looks, no chat. They've got nothing to back it up with. And it works for men and women. It happens all the time. Okay. On both sides let those people let those superficial all looks nothing else mm. empty people get with each other mm. let those vessel empty vessels get with each other and mm. procreate if mm. you're looking for something more something substantial some depth then aim for that don't go oh it's like um actually it's probably a bad example i was about to say davide i was about to say on love island i thought i'm trying to give an example that people would would know yeah. But like Davide, people, when Davide first went in, people are always oh, the really good looking guy. But does he have anything underneath? Turns out he did. He had a bit of personality, but that's why it's it was funny, example. wasn't he? Yeah, but that came out afterwards. You know, that came out after a little bit of time. But my point was that often the best looking people don't necessarily have the chat, don't necessarily have the, the laughs, the fun, play the games, you know, enjoy yeah. themselves. That's, you know, I've, I've, you know, spent a bit of time with models in, in the past as you do and yeah, they are yeah. very a very boring and uh, vacuous uh, people wow. they tend to be because they do have their looks doing the the heavy lifting for them and like i said they haven't had those formative experiences at, at school of you know of being the subject of banter and having to you know give it back because you know good looking people in school are always the upper kind of crust in a way they're not well, nobody comes for them nobody comes for them do they i do is, get what you mean by that there is this idea of pretty privilege have you heard of this before i've heard of it yeah yeah this like, halo good? effect of like oh. um people being statistic apparently the studies that show that people who are better looking are able to ascend higher up the ladder kind of thing mm. And there is apparently real data that backs this up that basically says that, you know, they're seen as more favourable people with more symmetrical faces. Obviously, they're more likely to be seen as better looking, that kind of thing. Mm. I think it's really interesting, this whole sort of pretty privilege thing, because I think it's true. I think they're able to get away with more by, uh, I think, the sort of let off the hook a little bit more. Obviously, there's downsides to it, you know, perhaps they get objectified more and that kind of thing. But That's certainly strange. the pretty privilege, I think, is, is a real thing. And I, I like it. It sounds nice as well. They've been treated like a piece of meat. There are people I know out there that probably, well, probably subconsciously, when they're looking for new friends or they, they're in a new social setting, they do probably look at potential new friends and think, you know, would they look good on my Instagram feed? I think we are living no, in that. No, I think we're living no. in that era of people. I, really, I hope I, we're not. I really do think that with the way I see some people interacting with, with certain people. I do think that. That, that there is this idea of yeah they're kind of you're pretty I'm pretty you know we're not going to get together you know you both are two straight girls but we must have a lot in common because we're both aesthetically pleasing or conventionally attractive and you know I'd be slept with the same guys good. if we you look good at yeah well that's some that is something to bond over that's something fun to bond yeah, over great yeah, but not even that I don't even think we scratch the surface of that and I think Love Island is the perfect example isn't it of uh, how you can be good looking and not have chat because some of the contestants in there over the years of a terrible chat. One springs to mind, E.L. E.L. Mm. Uh, Very spiritual, though. 2018, 2019. Well, I, I watched the, the preview video for that season, and he was my favourite. And then as soon as I watched Ooh. the first two episodes, I was like, this guy, there's nothing going on. As I would say, the lights are on, but nobody's home. He uh, likes crystals, though, so I thought you'd have maybe bonded over that. I think for me to get along with somebody on a worthwhile level, there needs to be more than one thing. That really? Really? in common there is that inherent confidence that you get with being good looking the air of confidence the air of i don't need to message first now we've matched on on tinder because i'm more attractive than you i'll wait you're for speaking you to about that as if that's how you view yourself i, I enjoy <laughs> if i use tinder i don't believe in dating apps. <laughs> but there is that kind of air of confidence and that is how the the world works that is kind of the profit mechanism of dating in a way and I, I kind of like that. Everybody knows where they stand as well, which is nice. You're not going to shoot your shot with a 10 out of 10 in a club if you don't think that you're a 10 out of 10. Be wrong. You might not, but, you know. 
You could do, and so you might get a restraining order, you know, placed on you. A restraining order for talking to somebody. And, and this is a the thing that I, you know, what women are like these days. And this Ooh, is the thing that, that I like. I love them. This is the thing that I like about uh, about dating is that there's somebody out there for everybody, and everybody, in a crude sense, finds somebody on their level, shall we say? Be it really? personality, be it looks wise, everybody finds somebody that that is on a similar vein, in a similar vein to them, and mm. that's quite reassuring. That's quite nice. And some people even maybe, you know, they're, they're on this level down here and their significant other is, uh, you know, is up there. And some people, some people do punch. Way it happens quite a bit. I mean, I think you generally see that it's more often that I think the less attractive guy tends to be the more attractive female. I think it's yeah, I've seen that generally one. what you tend to see. Every single train journey of my life, I've seen <laughs> walk down the carriage to put my suitcase down. And I've Just seen checking everyone out. Jesus Christ, uh, he must must have an effervescent personality, and you but say that to them. That's I say under my breath. Yeah, under my breath. God, he, is he? Been, Jesus, you're with him. I've been punched before for that, but and it does back up the point <laughs> that, that eventually, no, no, no oh. nobody can come. Not with these. Oh, so you do punch nobody me. Come on, point, hit me. You know, if I was, if I was drunk, it probably would come out and have definitely smoking. Like, what are you doing with him? But it does. It backs up. It reinforces the point that I made that that men are more superficial than women. Women obviously not superficial if uh, they're getting with men that are below their grade when it comes to the old looks. But I think there is um, there's reasoning for that because I think again studies show that women tend to get with people that are either across and uh, sort of across and up from them. It's generally because I mean? generally in terms of like uh, status and like resources and that kind of thing. Because the woman, again going back many many years back to cavemen times, uh, they would generally get with a person who has the most resources or ability to provide that kind of thing. Gold so, so therefore they they look for the provider and so yep. they date across and above. Yep. Whereas guys predominantly don't necessarily look for that. They're looking for someone who's going to produce. So, she has know, a nice spring. She has a nice face. Let's get with. Well, her. that's why guys like young-looking women because they're they look fertile. Yeah, fertile. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So that's that's one of the things that we're we're genetically wired to to be into. It's it's, it's reassuring out there if you're if you're a man seeking a, a woman. That, mm-hmm. right, if you have, have lost the genetic lottery, shall we say, in terms of looks, that it doesn't necessarily matter if your face is is symmetrical or not, as long as you've got money. Is what we're saying. If you could take that. Well, yeah, yeah. Status. From this week's from this week's podcast. But know. it's also like how um, you know, if you ask a woman like, what would they look for in terms of height? They generally say someone taller, don't they? It's a little bit of a similar thing. Like it's sort of above and across kind of thing, but just applied to heights. Like they generally look for someone that's taller, more status. Well, you want to have a word with society because society is obviously telling women that it's not very attractive if they get with a a man that's shorter than them. It's it's quite a shame, isn't it? I always remember looking at prom pictures and seeing, you know, when when the girls are in heels at prom, towering over their boyfriends, it does look a bit weird. And that's, that's society's fault. Well, it's how it's how we're wired. It's how we're wired. If you're a big guy with broad shoulders, again, it's more more likely to be able to provide. So, yeah, my response to that would be: if, if you're out there and you're looking for a female, and you're not a big guy, you don't have broad shoulders, go to the gym. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, There's always something good, you can do. Carve out a niche, become more interesting. There's always something you can do. But don't, become more interesting is definitely a good one. But don't complain. Don't complain about it. Went a little bit off tangent there. But that's fine. What's what's your next one? My next one is it's three words. It's Weatherspoons is shit unfortunately for all you spoons fans out there sorry if you're listening i uh stumbled across a survey the other day that said that 53 percent of respondents had a positive view of weatherspoons making it one of the most popular dining brands in the uk and i can hand on heart say i've never had a positive dining experience in a weatherspoons establishment really we're there all the time yeah because you insist on going because you like it yeah uh, i like the atmosphere I- you know, just dragged there against my will. And I say that, you know, usually go for a burger. Mm-hmm. Bun, bun, always too hard. Crisps, always too crispy and hollow inside. And you don't get enough lettuce on the burger. You've got to get up yourself to get the sauce. Annoying. It's microwavable food. I don't want to pay £7.50 for a microwavable meal. I'm not a fan of it. I can make it at home for cheaper. So what's the point? What's the point in dining out in, uh, in Witherspoons? It's for the conversation, though, isn't it? It's for the conversation, the atmosphere. I don't know, why would I go for the conversation? Why would I pay seven fifty oh, for a burger to have a conversation? That. No one's I, forcing I mean, you to buy a burger. They tend to be... Well, if I'm going out for a meal, right, I'm not going to Weatherspoons. Tend to be generally dirty. Table's always sticky. I think uh-huh. the reason that the carpets have quirky patterns is just to cover up the dirt, so I need mm-hmm. to clean them. Same in buses, yeah. What's the point? I haven't seen carpet on a bus, but what's your point? They do. They've got carpet on the seats. 
Oh, mistake. You don't get on buses, do you? You don't get on buses. Yeah, I'm not a fan. Not a fan of, that's my next point. Buses. They're beneath you. They're beneath you. Buses are shit. Uh, yeah, I mean, look for me. Wetherspoons does a job. You know, it's it's a great place to just get a get a drink, have a little chat, have a catch up, maybe before a night out or something. Sometimes you get a bit of food just because it's generally a little bit cheaper than eating out. And I'm not really that fussed about the whole sort of microwave, whatever. Just eat it. Do you know what I mean, it tastes bad though. That's the issue. I have. It tastes bad. And also, I just shove it down. If you've got the see, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of that because I do like to enjoy my food. I'm not I'm not a horse at the end I'm of eating day. for survival. Survival. <laughs> You see, now I don't just survive, I thrive, and that's where we probably... This is you thriving, is it? We probably differ, I think, there. Oh, wow. The owner of Weatherspoons is worth nearly £500 million, right? Why are you not dining at an independent pub if you've got the money? If you don't have the money in Weatherspoons, you need that, it serves a purpose. That's fine, you know, if you want to go out and go there, save your pennies. I get that. Ooh, if, you're po- if you're partial, if you're rich, right, why are you not dining at an independent pub? Where you can keep them afloat because pubs are closing. It's six hundred pubs have closed in the UK in the last year. Just Great shocking. stat. Shocking. And that's a stat. That's a fact. It's going to get worse as well with inflation. The food's better. The atmosphere is better in a pub. Weather spoons. puts me on edge. It's probably because I'm a member of a, a minority. Weather spoons. Which one edge does it? I don't. It's not. You never know who you're going to get in there, especially if you're in there at you know, twelve p.m. or something. Always a weirdo that stinks stood by the bar drinking Johnson's. No, it's not mainly students. Where we go? No, 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 no. Enough. Better food, better atmosphere, better clientele elsewhere. You don't even need to go to a pub if you want. You go to a restaurant if you want that vibe. Really diverse menu, and also they did take my chicken and rib combo off the menu at Weatherspoons. <laughs> that was that was probably the one redeeming feature of Weatherspoons was the the chicken and rib combo. And they took it off the menu just before COVID, which was a shame. It's COVID's done that, isn't it? It's COVID's fault. Well, McDonald's are not back to their full menu pre-COVID. So Aren't they? No, they've still not got the breakfast wraps back on there. <laughs> a shame. <laughs> you, you, this is, you, you guys see these places too much. Anyway, let's let's move on to the next point. Moving away from I'm glad, we, I'm glad we agree on that anyway. I'm glad we've got, we've got Ooh, that, that point. <laughs> fine establishment. <laughs> I'm, I'm not having it. I'm not having it. Okay, my next point. Getting kidnapped is good. It's a good thing. It's a story to tell. It's a podcast waiting to happen. It's an opportunity to maybe do something on Netflix. Maybe you get a theatre production. Maybe your kidnapping story gets turned into a musical. Okay. Kidnappings are good, is my point, really. Well, let's clip that and take that out of context. No, let's, let's, let's do exactly that. My point is kidnappings are a good thing. In the long term, it's actually quite a good investment. Get kidnapped for a month or two, Mm. live off that, off off the back of that experience for the rest of your life. It's fantastic. You're going to be dining on that forever. And it's brilliant. Exactly. So you can cash in on that. It's probably a better investment than uni nowadays. (laughs) Get kidnapped. Don't bother going to uni. Just get kidnapped for a couple of months. Break out of it, Netflix show, ding dong, you're set. This is the thing. There's a right way to get kidnapped, all right? And the wrong the wrong way to get kidnapped is not returning. Just to be That's, clear on that. That is bad. That is bad. Not great. Good kidnappings are the ones where you do return and you return in like a a fully sort of a fully formed state, still sort of all good. You've just been kidnapped <laughs> for a couple of months. Do you know what I mean? You've got okay, guaranteed work, okay, with getting kidnapped. I'd advise it. I really would. I think it's a fantastic thing to do. The only thing I would say. There is a time and place to get kidnapped, okay? You don't want to be getting kidnapped. I think 23 is too late to be getting kidnapped. It's not really kidnapping, then, is it? Exactly. That's my point. It gets a bit bit embarrassing when you get kidnapped (laughs) at 23. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's one of them where it's like, I don't want to return because I'm so embarrassed. I've been kidnapped at 23. That's embarrassing. You would become a meme. Exactly. Exactly. Keep me with my captors. I don't want to return because it's embarrassing. Head, you'd have to imagine that returning, being kidnapped at twenty-three, like head down, can't look at your parents. God, kidnapped. Yeah, sorry about that. Sorry. Can't take you anywhere, can we? Exactly. And you you have that constantly in the background. Every time you leave the house, it's going to be, oh, don't get kidnapped, Sally. (laughs) Where are you going? No, where are you going? You're going to have that constantly. So get kidnapped nice and early. Yep. And then dine on that for the rest of your life is what i'm saying you literally would be able to i think your perfect kidnapping then would be in the mold of a shannon matthews is that what you're saying oh, yeah she, good example she was about 14 15 wasn't she when her mum staged her kidnapping mm-hmm. just for the reward money and it turned out that all along she was under her uncle's bed i think that's for her, for her that's low stress she's, mm-hmm. at her un- she's at her uncle's house she's as far, probably- as, as, far as she concerned it's a little holiday yeah, round at Uncle John's, you know, and he's cooking a turkey Twizzlers, baked yeah. beans and toast, you know. 
potato waffle. She's dining out under the bed. Maybe, you know, could do with a bit more space than that. Potato smiley faces, yeah. Yeah, love that, you know. Under the bed. Don't get out from under the bed, though. That's yeah, stay there. That's like Harry Potter in Under the Stairs. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, she could have done, you know, with a bit more exercise. He's crammed in Possibly there. Possibly stretch. But she was at the right age. Mm-hmm. No stress because she's around at the uncles. They nearly pulled off the perfect heist in terms of the, in terms of the, the reward money. Mm-hmm. And if Netflix mm-hmm. haven't got involved with that yet, they will be getting involved in the future because they this are running was, out of things to do. Netflix. This was her biggest mistake. She went into witness protection. Did she? This is, yes. Oh. She had a change of identity. She's gone to witness protection and all that kind of thing. She's living a new life somewhere now. But she's that changed was, her name. I think so, yeah. That was her biggest mistake, okay? Her biggest mistake was doing that because you, can, you can't profit off it now, can you? Because you've got a new identity. You can't now. You can't. So an interesting thing about um, the Shannon Matthews case, was it Shannon Matthews was the kid or the, was that the mum? Shannon, Shannon Matthews, Matthews was the kid. The kid, was... yeah. Her mum is now with a convicted pedo. Oh. Fun fact. That, you know, that's just added another episode onto the Netflix series. that they Exactly. Now she can dine out on that. The whole final episode is going to be on that. If I were her, though, Shannon Matthews, I would be dining out on that. I wouldn't mm. be speaking to mum. I don't think they speak to each other anymore, I imagine. No. I imagine the kid was coerced into it. But she was the perfect age for it, good profile for it. You know, that face would sell. Mm-hmm. Everybody remembers it of a certain exactly. age. Exactly. Our age. So I can, I can see your point there, to be fair, that you could harness the the kind of positive aspects of being kidnapped and there are many i mean now she can a few years time she could maybe release a book or something like that tv show perfume perfume was maybe, maybe pushing it a bit, a bit. what i don't think don't think about like the, the shannon matthews fragrance but... <laughs> everyone dancing on ice is what i say i want to see that she could i think she's got the profile for that she could be she could have at least 50k followers on instagram if she looks mm-hmm. at least you're telling agent. me that wouldn't make a good musical. Come on now. <laughs> when they find when she the jumps bed. out, when she jumps out from under the bed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's I where I've that. been. That's where I've been. See that being a thing. In an alternate universe, you could be sat here now pondering who she wanted to play her in the musical, in the movie. I'd have a mm-hmm. motion picture. I would have a full mm-hmm. motion picture. But instead, she's chosen to, to go into hiding. But I think she will come out from under the woodwork. She's got form for that, to be fair. Yeah. Got, yeah. Can't get rid of her. No. So I dare say she'll be back, uh, maybe after listening to this episode, because I think that's, it's, it's a solid advisory. I do wonder if that is actually an unpopular opinion or whether we've got more advocates of kidnap out there. Good point. If you're in favour of kidnap, if you're pro-kidnap, do leave a comment below. Get in touch. Get in uh, touch. And we'll pass your details on to the relevant authorities. Mm-hmm. I think one. I make a valid point there. I really do. I can't really see any way that that could be critiqued in any way. No, I think it's perfectly reasonable that we dine out on, you know, there ha- always has to be something good coming out of trauma. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it's properly, properly traumatic. Exactly. Every cloud is a silver lining. Exactly. Even kidnapping, even the darkest mm-hmm. of clouds, because that is quite, quite a dark cloud being, being snatched from your, you know, your family. Even or now. within your family, you know, keep it in the family. Do you know what I mean? You've got a shit family. But my, my point is, make sure you do it at the right age. You don't want to be getting kidnapped too late in life. Yep. Too young, you probably run the risk of death. Yeah, um, and you're not going to remember it as well. So the book's a bit sort of all over the place. Not many pages, aren't you? Know? Ghost written. It'd be ghost yeah, written. Like never as Zoella. Good, yeah. Zoella. Remember that. What's she like? So I think that I'm in favour of that. But we don't want to normalise it. That's the thing. No, yeah. definitely not. I'm not normalise it. No, I'm just saying it's a good thing. Speaking of things that we, we don't want to normalise, uh, my third unpopular opinion is that it is okay to dine and dash. Wow, okay. Dash. Go on. If it's I spoons. don't think that you should... Well, it's not really dining there. The thing wow. is, it's just kind of like, I eat with my hands there. I'm all over the place. No, it's very Oof. very primal. Not dining, not fine dining. If you've had a bad experience at a restaurant in terms of food or service, you're not getting the product that you paid for in the first place. You shouldn't have to pay, full stop. That's the basic philosophical premise of this point. And I think that if you're at a good restaurant, they wouldn't charge you. If you're at a good restaurant, you get the waiter over, you maybe click at them a bit, you know, garçon, garçon, mm-hmm. bring them over. I've had this, you know, my, my order my steak, medium, and it's coming, it's, it's well done. It's basically... Oh, well, not my steak being well done. I can't, I can't, well, I can't eat, I can't eat well done steak. You might be able to, I'm not a fan of So privileged, don't you? So. But, you know, the steak's been, you know, the chips are a bit off. You know, they taste like they're, they're, they're from spoons. They've been done in spoons. They've been in the, in the microwave. 
you know, the peas are still frozen or whatever, you know, or even a bad service. We've all been there. We've all had a shit waiter or a phone. What's the way he's doing that's so bad? If you're at a good restaurant, well, what if they're taking 90 minutes, two hours to serve you your steak and chips? It's, it's the waiter's right. fault. It's not right. It's not right. The waiter has to deal with it. And in a good restaurant, they would offer you a refund. They wouldn't charge you for the aspects of the meal that you're not particularly happy about, that you're, that you're complaining about. You've effectively been missold a product. So I think it's, it's harsh to charge people for products that they've been missold. I think it just makes sense to me from a from a from a consumer's perspective, unfortunately. Really? So just run away instead. Well, I wouldn't run, I just I'd stroll. If anything. Really? I would this str- sounds oddly specific. Sounds like something you've done. I would strut it. I've never done it, I never will do it because it no, is illegal. I've had my lawyers on the case and it is illegal. So you, you um, wouldn't you wouldn't do it several times. If you do it, wouldn't even do it once. And if you do really? it in the UK, you get put on the PubWatch database, apparently. So Sounds like you've on. researched this, isn't it? What, what about if you're abroad and you do it, though, out of interest? Like, let's say let's say in Italy. I wouldn't know. I've got no experience with that. I'm not Italian, unfortunately, so I've never done it in Italy. Really? Never? never. I've, only, I've, I've only been to Italy. I'm not an expert on all Italian maths. Definitely not. But definitely over here, they've got a database. I don't recommend doing it in the UK. If you were to do it, do it, do it abroad. Do it abroad where you know that you might get away with it. And if you get away with it, that's good because you might end up saving yourself maybe 50 euros, 60 euros on a meal that you that you haven't enjoyed with a, a rude waitress who didn't even know what the uh, the English word for water was. Wow. Okay. So you're justifying running away from restaurants really on the basis that, oh, I didn't, didn't really like it. Didn't... There's no... Uh, I'm a spoil. There's no... Uh, no justification no for running. it. No, you're right. You're right. There's no running. If there a barber gives you a, a bad haircut, you shouldn't have to pay for it. I paid double for this because, you know, this this sharp trim was... You paid was double? So paid double. I said, you know what, you've done such a good job on this performance-based pay, I'm going to give you double. That's I went to my, my barber's recently as well, and um, he was shaking as he was... It grows fast. Yeah. As he was uh, doing my haircut, he starts looking out the window. <laughs> like that. Whilst doing my hair, he's looking out the window and he's like looking at this woman out the window. Knocking. And he turns around to me and he goes, Eh? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> like that. And he just starts laughing. And then afterwards, after he uh after he finished, I was like, Oh, how much is that? And he was like, I don't know, what whatever you want. He said to me, Whatever you want to pay. I was like, Where oh, I, was I, I was like, and then he was like uh, a thousand. I was like, "What? Th- sorry." He's like, "No, no, that's ten, mate." And eventually, he was like, 10 I think he was trying to get more out of me because it's, it's usually what? ten pound there. But he was like, the, yeah, price is, "The price is not on the wall." Surely I don't know. I'm not sure. This is sure. dodgy. This is like going to a restaurant with no prices on the menu. But no, when it comes to dining dash, look, I don't agree with it personally because I personally, it's to me, it's stealing. It's a form of stealing. It's like going to a shop and stealing. Uh, so I personally would never do it. Uh, I think it's wrong. I think it's uh, bad taste. I think it's uh, not uh, not something that somebody who should that cares about other people should do. Not some not the sort of thing that a good member of society would do. Oh, no, like I, I stealing. Wouldn't, I wouldn't personally do it. I just think it's okay that if if the circumstances were right in the way that I described, then I maybe would engage with it. Like, right on to my next point: the education system doesn't educate you. It blunts you. <laughs> is okay. Not, is this not a popular opinion? Surely this is a popular okay. opinion. So I don't believe the education system actually educates you. All right. I was thinking the other day about how many things I was taught during school that I've never thought of mm. or can't remember how to do or don't know anything about anymore. The amount mm. of pointless things, the vast majority of the things I use on a daily basis, in fact, pretty much all the things I use on a daily basis mentally were not taught through school. Hmm. And just I just look back at that and think, what a waste of time. What an absolute... It, it's, it's, a, it's a vessel in order to make you a blunt knife. And the reason why I say hmm. blunt, this is a great analogy, it rounds you off like everyone else. It makes you uh, like a, a blunt sort of kitchen knife, hmm. just like everyone else, okay? Just like the rest of the pack. Blunt what you actually thing. What you actually want to be is specialized you want to be like a bread knife or a steak knife okay in an analogy sense mm. so you want to have a like something that you're better than the rest at doing you want to be the one the one person that can do that job you don't want to be a blunt kitchen knife you can any so, got loads of them in the drawer i'll just interchange and chuck them out throw them away put them in the bin whatever you can do anything with kitchen knives a bread knife you've only got one bread knife one steak knife oh 
you do want to be the knife, don't you? You want to, yeah. if you if you pardon the pun, you want to carve out a niche. No, two on the head. Uh, I think it's, it's genius. I do write my own, write my own stuff. Yeah, all, I can all, off, all off the cuff. All off, don't give up the day job. But <laughs> I see your point though. You don't learn enough kind of practical knowledge in in school. They don't tell you how to do taxes, do they? No. They don't tell you how to flirt on a night out, which they I think should. Would be useful. You could do uh, that for sure. I think I missed. Yeah, I obviously missed all those all those classes. Uh, mm-hmm. Eternally single, the eternal bachelor, if you will. Mm-hmm. But you, the amount of pointless shit you learn, trigonometry. Erosion. Who cares about that? You know when you're Coastal on a beach. Erosion. When you're on a beach and you're looking at the cliffs, you're not thinking. I wonder if that was done. You know, this wave or that wave or whatever. It's obvious, isn't it? Do you know what I mean, like, what else is doing it? It's rubbish. It's absolute bullshit. It is. This is the thing. Like, you don't want to be that person who just has like conveyor belt knowledge. Like, you just push through the system, and you've just got specifically what what education has fed you you want to go outside of that and learn more do things off your own back like i think about everything the most like the biggest sort of learning curve i had was probably at 18 ironically when i left the education system dropped out of uni tried to start my own business for 18 months next minute i'm like going from like meeting to meeting pitching to investors that taught me so much more than anything that i learned in the education system ever did yeah, like it's... I had to learn how to sell. Like you don't get taught how to sell. No, you don't get it's... taught how to market yourself, how to communicate. Pitching. It's all. It's all just about the retention of knowledge, isn't it? It's the memory. Do you want to yeah. Be memory test. What? What practical skill does that give you? It gives you absolutely nothing. No, it's about le- It's about re- memorizing stuff to get to the next stage to memorize stuff to get to the next stage to memorize stuff, and, and then... at the end of it, you've just forget it all because you don't end up using it. What you don't yeah. use, you lose. You get a job, and literally, what aspects of a job is about memorizing stuff? Because you've always got it to hand. Whatever information you need, you've always got it to hand. Exactly. Useless. Yes, you, you are right. Even it needs the... it needs completely revamping. Even the math stuff. I don't know what that was about. Vectors. I tuned out at that point. When they, yeah, started, getting, when they started getting letters involved with math, when am I going to need this? I need the mental math on a daily basis if I'm, you know, doing my finances, which I never do. Or <laughs> like that. You know, you need that stuff. When you get the letters involved and the shapes and the, the angles. When you start... When you start to go beyond, like, times tables, like, times tables are quite handy to know. Like, it just makes things a little bit more efficient. A little bit more efficient. But in English, you probably need to know the alphabet. Yeah. Beyond that point, beyond forming a sentence, you don't need to know what onomatopoeia is, what pathetic fallacy is, and all that shit. Poems, poetry, I don't need to read those. I think school, rather than it being a case of go to this lesson at this time, go to that lesson, go to that lesson, I think it should be like a, a vessel from which you can float around these bit this building mm. and be like, all right, today, do you know what? I'm just gonna like play around with this camera for a bit, like see if I'm into photography. Just mm. have a few pictures, and there's sort of that like equipment and the resources are there. And you're like, and if you sort of give that a go for an hour, yeah. and you're like, yeah, yeah, maybe it's not really my thing. I'm going to go to sit on the computer for a bit, and I'm going to go speak to this teacher because this teacher knows about graphic design. I'm going to go just chat with them for a bit and see if I'm into that, and just float around, socialize a bit more, mess about, put some Lego in there. I don't care how do I, wow. even just building stuff. I like get people creatively thinking and stuff. Do you know I mean, not just this rigid system. No, let's, let's not regress to, to childhood with the with the Lego. No, why but not? In terms of, you know, schools do have a remarkable ability to turn anything interesting into the most boring mm-hmm. thing. I'm thinking the lessons I had at school in terms of learning languages, they even managed to make that boring. That should be the most interesting. It's so enriching. Learning a new language and immersing yourself in the new culture is so interesting. It should be so interesting. It should be organic. And instead, they dumb it down. Mm. I'm trying not to rant here. They dumb it down. They make There's no practical side to it at all, besides a week's kind of exchange or something like that that you might get. And it's all sit there, retain this information. This is the verb. This is what it is in French. This is what it is in English. Bam, done. Boring. It's all just like memorizations of repetition kind of thing. You've got to think of it a bit more holistically than that. I don't, and I, yeah, maybe teachers do want to teach like this, but they're just not given the tools to teach like this. I don't maybe. really know, but it's it's so rigid. It's always one eye on the exam as if it's a, a means to an end, like a tool to get to the yeah, to the next stage, as, as, as you'd say. Whereas really the, the whole goal of, of learning a language should be helping you sustain a, a, a life in that particular country where that language is spoken. It shouldn't just be about what's going to come up on the exam and stuff. It like should that. be about giving, equipping you with skills. Giving you yeah, skills. They, they make the most interesting aspects of life. So 
fucking boring. Mm. And, and I think I just would like to see a better system. It needs to be completely, completely ripped apart, to be honest. It's never going to happen because people just think so short term nowadays because they think about winning the next election. So people don't really do that. And when it comes to schools, the whole system set up so that you, the more fun, you get more funding based on the higher grades. So you have to prepare yeah. for grades and it's whole cycle. It just churns out people who are sort of not really equipped for the real world. I don't even think teachers mind it either. I think they prefer it as it is, to be honest. Yeah, it's sort of easier, isn't it, really? You are kind of socialised into that idea of exam results being this kind of sole measure of, of success. Mm. That's certainly the vibe I got from my teachers anyway, to be fair. It's, it's about making something tangible, though, isn't it? It's like, this is what we can, this is what their education is, this letter or this number. It's, yeah. We can now tangibly see it. We can put it in the system, but that's not what a a person that's going to create value oh. in the world is about. There's more than that. It's 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 a sad reflection of, of the, the world that that that, it, that your opinions are probably unpopular as well. Mm. Well, I think that some people do enjoy comfort in knowing where they stand in relation to other people. I mean, teachers have these massive spreadsheets full of everybody's grades, you know, color-coded with green yeah. and red. They don't. Business people have been saying for ages, haven't they? They tell their stories of how they did terribly at school and they made it in, in the world with their kind of acumen, business acumen, shall we say, and none of that's taught at school. And it still isn't taught at school. I'd love to see what a business studies class at school looks like because they're not teaching <laughs> the, the adequate business skills to to make it in the real world, are they? Well, that's the thing. How many like business teachers have actually made their own businesses? Yeah, zero, zero. I don't even know yeah. how you probably get into teaching business. Really. I know, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Like how mad is it that you're being taught business by somebody who's never started a business before? Yeah, the ironic thing about it is, is that you can't teach it, can you? I don't think. I think some you either have it or you just. It's all about risk taking, isn't it? And it's about mm. having that kind of personality. You can't really. I don't think you can teach somebody to have that personality. The whole thing's futile. I say. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just a very bizarre system when you think about it, really, isn't it? And it's so difficult to unwind because it's so embedded into how we live and the mindset that we're all born into. It's so difficult to ever really unwind that. Yeah, it's it's weird how you do get caught up in it in school as well. I suppose it's unsurprising, but it is it's quite sad that you do get people getting burnt out over exam grades. I think we've covered it before on the the mental health podcast or whatever. Mm-hmm. That it's uh, it's not an ideal set of affairs when you have. 15 16 year old students stressing themselves out over something that is probably not going to matter that much in five ten years time when the tragic reality isn't it that none of those things you stressed about actually matter at all humans are amazingly adaptable it doesn't matter what kind of grade you get at this point in in life 10 years down the line you'll have probably carved out something for yourself on a different path Mm -hmm. you know i think that that's that's the way that people do tend to work because the alternative would be this grade is the end of the world. I can't believe it. And then you get into this stage of inertia. Nobody really does that, do they? You always, you always kind of bounce back and get on, get on doing stuff. But you raise a good point, I'd say. Yeah, I, I raise a fantastic point, I'd say. Actually, that's the, I think you're, you're my next PM, I think. Yeah, PM. get me there. Get me there. We need to rip up the whole system. Come on. Burn it all down and start again, I say. Burn it all down and start again. Sounds like a great idea. I'm all for it. Exactly. And speaking of great ideas, uh, my... Final point, this is, by the way. Stealing is um, healthy. <laughs> we've done kidnapping. We've done stealing. Uh, <laughs> it's become a little too acceptable to be plus size. <laughs> and I don't want, I don't want any. Oh, God, here we go. I don't want any blowback nope. from this. I've, I've termed that in, in a very flowery manner. A little too acceptable to be plus yeah. size. You know, it's toned it down a bit. From, from the first draft. Turn it up. Come on. Uh, I've heard it referred to as it's this kind of idea. You know, body positivity, I'm all over it because I don't think anybody should ever feel sad about their best size, whether too thin, too fat. Of course, flat. of course. Anyway, everybody should feel comfortable in their bodies and not subject to kind of external hostilities from people dragging people down because that's not what I'm about. I'm about boosting people, boosting everybody. But, having said that. Having said that, but... <laughs> but... <laughs> I also don't think that we should be in the business of rewriting science to to fit our particular world view because believe it or not there are facts out there some undeniable truths and we shouldn't fool ourselves into thinking that body positivity in this in this manner in the, in the manner that it currently is is sustainable or healthy i don't think the answer to the the kind of to pushing back against size zero culture, which was also unhealthy in the noughties. Mm-hmm. Remember when everybody was obsessed with models being stick thin? Yeah. The answer to that, which is which is wrong, isn't plus size models. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not from the end of the spectrum to the other. 
it's not this kind of balancing act. It's not the promotion of models that are, you know, categorically and, and, and clinically obese. I'm all for healthy sized role models who are neither underweight nor overweight, but we can't promote unhealthy lifestyles. And I do feel as if we've got to the point where the promotion of this lifestyle of like gluttony is, is, is promoted now. And I don't think that that's necessarily right. Yeah, it is a weird one, isn't it? And I completely agree. It's, it's, a, there's a difference between sort of accepting how you want to live and your, in your body and everything about that versus promoting it and saying, yeah. actually, this is glorifying it and going, yeah, yeah you're fat. Well done. Yay! Let's put you on a pedestal. That's, that's weird to do that. Just, we wouldn't do that with a smoker. We won't go, well done you. Exactly. You're making your choices of your body, aren't you? Exactly. Oh, self-destructive acts are self-destructive acts. And we all indulge in them. I smoke from time to time, but nobody tells me that smoking is, is healthy and is something to be, you know, mm-hmm. we're not fist pumping going, you're a smoker that's amazing you do you that choice is amazing you do it's you almost, sis yeah it's <laughs> clicking in the smoking area being like yes yeah. uh we shouldn't be what uh, you know it's effectively enabling addicts i feel in a way and that's that's not something that i'm you know anybody should be particularly fond of encouraging people to engage in a, a lifestyle of, of gluttony or, or self-harming mm-hmm. behavior but it does feel as if we've we've got to that point now which is is weird because you see there's a there's a, a disparity between the discourse around obesity and the, the statistics because we seem to now be we've got kind of obesity deniers who say that you can't pinpoint what actually is behind obesity but then you have the statistics around covid and the comorbidities with the fact that was it 113% more likely to be hospitalized with covid during lockdown if you were clinically obese that's 113% is a lot 50 percent mm-hmm. more likely to die something's going on there and that's only the comorbidities with with, with with covid i'm not even talking about other kind of diseases as well so i don't think that this is something to be celebrated i mean this comes from a place of care well exactly yeah it, it is an unusual thing to sort of celebrate an addiction because that's what it is it's an addiction oh, yeah. to food it's an addiction to sugar or whatever it is specifically within that person's diet so it isn't it's an unusual thing to be celebrating i think it's i think because the pendulum was so far one way that it swung yeah. completely the other way and eventually hopefully the dust will settle and common sense will prevail hopefully and we'll get to a more sort of centered and balanced approach but we're not really living in a centered and balanced world right now so we are sort of peak celebrating things that shouldn't really be celebrated it's kind of not sexy is it to be to be somewhere in the middle the, the no. it's it's kind of like i'm i have this view and it's, it's extreme but i think this and then you should kind of get my what, what i think about other things from the fact that i'm so kind-hearted on this issue and that i'm celebrating body positivity as well i, I do look at it from a different angle because obviously being my size i have kind of flirted with being underweight and potentially deficient in say these vitamins and in iron and, and, and whatnot and it's just i wouldn't expect that to be celebrated mm-hmm so I apply that logic to the other end of the spectrum and go, well, maybe we shouldn't be celebrating that either, especially when the statistics are as, as kind of bare as they are and as kind of honest as they are. And I mean, they got to the point, didn't it? Like, I, think it was, I think it was last winter, maybe before that, when Adele shedded all that weight in a, mm-hmm. in a healthy manner just by working out more, by, by burning more calories. There's nothing unhealthy about it. Then she got, there were trolls taking the, the, the piss out of her on online and saying that the, you know, you shouldn't be ashamed to be plus size or be be fat or whatever. But if it's all about being comfortable in your own skin and she chose, you know, to make the active decision to undergo an intense kind of workout regime, then there's nothing wrong with that, especially if she's living a healthier life. We wouldn't discourage somebody from having an orange, you know, with their lunch instead of a Kit Kat drink. Mm-hmm. no exactly i mean it, it should be about promoting healthy lifestyles with the adele thing like there was sort of weird criticism of like oh and i looked up at you as well i looked i looked yeah. at you as like a role model because you're you're plus size and and i am as well and they felt like it was almost like a an attack on them as like an oh, individual because it's like that someone's broken out of this addiction or this thing and i haven't been able to so it makes them feel less yeah it's, it's weird because we should be celebrating people's journeys of self-improvement not being envious of them i would mm. say and i do sense a lot, of, a lot of hypocrisy with this i think and i don't like it and i think i just you know you do want people in general to be healthy when you think about how much it costs say the nhs as well mm-hmm. i mean the, the, the leading cause of, of of deaths in the u.s at the minute is is poor diet isn't it um let's let's do something about that because it's it's not it's not good and i, I know that there's other kind of 
factors behind it you know metabolism for one is, is, is something that mm-hmm. is hard to control if you've got particularly slow and i've got particularly fast one we know that it's not as simple as just eat less or just eat more if you want to put weight on but there are things you can do to to, to lose weight, or at least lead, lead a healthier lifestyle yeah i mean obviously it requires people managing to get sort of access to help and things as well for a lot of people but also this thing you know childhood obesity as well so high now the statistics yeah. are that ridiculous like as a, as a child to be in that situation you know and tough. i'm not i'm not surprised with the the way that the nature of jobs has changed over the past 30 to 40 years from being predominantly manual to non-manual and i'm not surprised because of the effectiveness of say advertisement campaigns or whatever because i'm we've all been there and it's very clever the way say coca-cola over the years have made you associate being hot and sweaty with wanting a coke and you know the crack of the opening the can or whatever and then glugging it down there on the advert every single time you watch a, a coca-cola advert or whatever very effective ad campaigns that make you crave that when you're thirsty but something needs to be done because i think it's getting to the point now where it is it's, it's particularly dangerous and the patterns are not are not, are not looking good i don't think it's, it's very unhealthy yeah it's, it's definitely a bizarre one isn't it bizarre it, things going on it's weird that that's an unpopular opinion as well but it but it is because the, the prevailing view just seems to be we should celebrate everybody in all different shapes and sizes and you know everybody should feel comfortable in their body but it's not something to be actively to actively be, be celebrating i don't think yeah it's, it's, let's it's, promote a healthy lifestyle please guys that's, that's what this podcast is uh, is all about and maybe we'll have to go into lockdown next time, okay? Because <laughs> it was it was their fault. We know that. Okay? Them and the old people. Them and the old people. So stay young, get in stay shape. Young. If you're old, just just stay inside yourself. Maybe I'm not yeah. sure. Good but point. Was, I blame it on them. I do as well. Sure. My next point: birthdays are a myth. Okay, <laughs> they're a conspiracy to make you feel old and to socialise us into behaving in a certain way. Hmm. They act as sort of social checkpoints uh, that we use to compare ourselves to our peers. Without them, if you think about it, imagine we didn't have birthdays, didn't have an age, didn't have a number assigned to us. Without them, you behave based purely on how you felt. It wouldn't be a case of, oh, God, 27 now, better start looking to get in a relationship. It would be a case of, no, I'll get in a relationship when I feel like it. There wouldn't be the yeah. social pressure yeah. of, of that kind of thing. So they're, va- they're basically there to sort of keep the ball of society moving because yeah. without them, perhaps, we wouldn't feel the social pressure to get in relationships before you know it. People aren't having kids as much, aren't mm. saying down as much because they haven't got this number assigned to them. So for me, I think it's a way of making us feel compelled and using comparison, which we all naturally have, in order to push us further along that sort of social ladder, social mobility of life. I do. uh, I didn't expect to turn up to record today, my mind blown, but I do like the term social checkpoint. Mm -hmm. Just a little reminder, isn't it, as you kind of maybe maybe become less aware of your age. genius thank you bam there you are another year older and i do think that age is, is a number and you know that, that that tricks you into a particular mindset and i'm not particularly a fan of that and uh, to be fair i don't really adhere to those kind of to those kind of social norms you know for somebody as well that does you know has passed a bit of attention when it comes to the birthday thing i think there's that way of expectation that you're meant to enjoy a birthday and i simply don't i'm not a fan of it i don't like it I like so, being the centre of attention, just not on, on my yeah, hate it. Maybe it's because it's it's a social checkpoint, like you saying. It reminds you that you are another year, another year older, and I need to break free of those social norms. Mm-hmm. You're this age, so you should act like this. Maybe not. Maybe not. But can you imagine that? Just for a, a second, try and imagine like not having a number assigned to your age, like what you'd base those comparisons on mm-hmm. versus like people you know around your age people you went to school with your friends mm. your family people mm. older than you people younger than you what would you base your decisions on there because i mean a lot of people do have that feeling of right i'm now of an age where i should yeah. be doing this should be doing that without that you have to just go on feeling then don't you, you just have to go on what you think how you feel what else are you basing it on you're not just looking at you know somebody that is living their life in a different way and comparing yourself just because they happen to be in your year at school are you? you wouldn't have an age and also you would base your interactions with people on maturity and i don't really think that maturity really correlates that well with age at all i think some of the most immature people i know are in their 40s and 50s mm. some of the most mature people i've had the the good fortune of interacting with previously have been younger than i have that sounds dodgy doesn't it, it does it sounds maybe they've been they've been two or three years younger they've been two or three years mm. several Play it safe, play it safe. But that's what, you know, you know, when you're age and your number and everything, that's good for your, your age of consent because we do approve of that. 
on on the podcast but i do i do in fact i don't really see age i do really see i do see maturity Tell that to the judge um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i, I mean, think it's it stand up in court i do just think it'd be such an interesting world though like without that age thing because you would you would have to judge people based on the way they spoke to you and like your first impressions you'd exchange names yeah but there would be no that sort of there'd be none of the sort of oh how old are you or you know what year were you in or any you wouldn't have anything really to gauge it by yeah, I feel as if I've already started doing that. I'm going to only continue to do that more as I enter the the workplace when you're mixing with more people that, that aren't of your age. You know, at union, at school, you assign these years or whatever. But as you make your way into the real world, I don't really think that that you're going to be asking people, you know, you're not going to say, how old are you? I mean, that's a, if anything, it's quite a rude question to ask, isn't it? Ooh. There is that. So I, I'm looking forward to that, and I'm looking forward to now applying this this philosophy of yours more consciously. Mm-hmm. now because it, it will be on my mind more i think you know it's it's irrelevant at the end of the day it is it really is irrelevant okay and my final point yep. this one is controversial okay cherry, so brace yourselves cherry on the cake this one if we haven't said things that are unpopular yet then this one definitely will be okay uh andrew tate is not that bad okay yeah, now let me explain this one okay let me explain because he said a lot of things that I personally don't agree with. But I mean, having said that, to be fair, I can't think of too many things that he has said that I do agree with. But that's not really the point I'm making. Mm. The point I'm making is I think the context of which he's saying them in mm. makes it seem worse. And let, let me give an example of what I'm saying. We're not used to our generation seeing these sorts of opinions on social media, it's mm. more sort of left leaning. It's generally governed by the sort of more left ideology kind of thing. Whereas Andrew Tate's sort of things are obviously more right-leaning. I think we could probably say more conservative, traditionalist values is probably how he describes himself. So when you're in that sort of left, when you're looking through a left-leaning lens of social media, which it sort of generally is, then you're going to be more outraged by these sorts of things. Whereas as much as I don't agree with them, I think if you went to most pubs in the country, you'd probably find half a dozen people that would say, maybe not necessarily agree with what he said, but wouldn't be as outraged. They wouldn't really see what's wrong with what's been said. They'd probably see it as sort of like a normal opinion. And what I'm saying is like on social media, I think it looks worse because we're not used to seeing that. Whereas I think actually if you asked a lot of people outside of social media, I think there'll be a lot less outrage over it. Yeah. People over 50, I don't think would be as outraged by it. Now that doesn't, that doesn't make what he says okay, mm. but I do think it makes it in the broader picture less outrageous than what people think it is. Because let, let me make another example here. Boris Johnson is our prime minister, okay, yeah. at the moment, sort of. He has said lots of <laughs> things. He's telling me, isn't he? <laughs> he has said lots of things over the years. Um, some that, that some people would say was misogynistic or racist, sexist, whatever. Loads of different labels you could probably throw out from from things that he said. And yet, more than fifty percent of people that voted voted for him, mm. which presumably is somewhat of a statement of, yeah, he said those things, but you know, not that bad. Mm. Not not bad enough for us to not vote for him. So that tells me that there are millions of people that are probably sort of like, meh, yeah, he said what he said, whatever. Like they're not they don't care enough about what he said to not vote for him. So this the point I'm making is that in the broader picture, I don't think those views are as far right as it looks through the context of social media, it looks like that because we're not used to seeing that sort of spectrum of opinion. Yeah, I think it, it just tends to be, That's what I'm to say. You know, if you're talking about social media platforms like Twitter, they tend to be used more by younger people. Younger people tend to have more liberal social attitudes. And then mm-hmm. Andrew Tate comes along with some truly they are abhorrent views. I mean, it's of course. Yeah. Weird, misogynistic angle that he takes, you know, coercive control over women and the like. These controversial statements that people our age will disagree with and it's probably why he's 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 so successful i think i think he's in the the outrage game like a katie hopkins uh jordan peterson mm-hmm. so is only a lot of people are outraged by by things that that he says but people of of a certain age an older age would definitely probably hold more traditional social values but it's about who tate is uh is influencing i think when it when it comes to that because there is a significant portion of 
young people, young men, shall we say, out there that are very impressionable, that I think he targets as kind of rhetoric towards, shall we say. And that's where it can get quite, quite dangerous because these are men that are out there exposed to these views on social media. Because I don't think most people that aren't on social media will know who Andrew Tate is. I'm not exactly yeah, sure how he came to, to prominence, even if those people may hold you know, similar views shall we say, broadly speaking, I'm not sure that they'd be necessarily exposed to them. But if he's influencing young men's opinions on, on women, then it's obviously pretty much outrageous. But I think you could go down to the pub on a, a Friday night and, and say the stuff that, that Andrew Tate has been saying. And I don't think that many people would kick up a fuss, really. Would and like I say, we're not, we're not therefore saying, therefore it's okay. The no. point I'm making is it seems more outrageous through the medium of which that message is delivered. Yeah, and if anything, we're saying, or you, you've certainly said, let's hold a mirror up to this. If this guy's wrong to say this, then maybe the next time you find yourself having a conversation with your uncle Nobed or whatever, who also mm-hmm. holds these views, maybe, you know, make the Christmas dinner awkward and say, actually, I don't think women should be subjugated by men, and that would make that would make your Christmas dinner a bit more interesting, wouldn't it? But I do think, like his his views on things like gender roles and that kind of thing, I don't think that would be particularly outrageous. That would be seen as quite a no. normal opinion to a lot of people over fifty. I think he he purposefully articulates them in an um, inflammatory manner when he's mm-hmm. on a podcast. But don't we all? Because that's exactly. what gets people talking. That's what gets people watching, and obviously, it's worked for him. Uh, to the extent that he's been banished from most yeah it's backfired a little bit he's almost a bit too good at what he what he did in a way but i don't think that his views are that out of kilter with people over i would say over 50 and i and from what i from what i see as well a lot of people that age put his views into practice in terms of older men's expectations of what women would do around the house chime with exactly what andrew tate says Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. I just don't don't think people are used to hearing it on social media in that way, delivered by a guy in his thirties. Do you think the hysteria is, is is justified because people do pile on mm. on on Twitter with with you know when a clip of him goes viral, everybody's like, "Well, this is stupid and this is misogynistic and 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 and, and whatever." Do you think that that hysteria is is, is justified? Because I do personally. I don't I don't think he should be allowed to to express those those views on. On, on a platform such as, as Twitter, if the people that, that own Twitter say, we don't want this on here. I mean, I personally, I, don't, I wouldn't say I do think it's justified the outrage. I mean, I treat him as like a WWE character. I don't treat him as like a real, <laughs> I don't think he's like spouting 100% his own opinions. I think he's yeah. de- deliberately upping, upping, and upping what he's saying in the same way that a KSI gets in front of the camera and ups the energy in the same yeah. way that a Mark Goldbridge gets in front of the camera, ups the energy. Oh. Like it's just, he's directing it in a certain genre. KSI, it's funny you mentioned him because he did jump on this uh, anti-Andrew Tate bandwagon as well, didn't he? And I found it, found it, did find it interesting, because I'm on it as well, firmly. But KSI made his name back in the day, back when we were at school, on rape jokes. Mm-hmm. And jokes about that. Well, that's, you know, it's got a misogynistic flavour to it too. But This is, this is one of the points also I want to bring up as part of this. Yeah. Like, there's loads of people that have done lots of just as bad things, if not worse, and not lost their social media accounts. Now, I'm not saying reinstate him or anything i'm not that fuss i really couldn't care less about him at all but what i'm saying is like logan paul filmed the dead body joe weller did blackface yes some of them may have apologized that kind of thing but at the time they weren't removed from social media they weren't sort of didn't have their accounts terminated or anything like that perhaps because this is an ongoing thing that's happening and it's doesn't like look like it's going to come to an end perhaps maybe that's why i decided to pull the trigger i don't know andrew tate does seem to have built up in a very short time to be fair a loyal legion of young male followers that would want to put his his views into practice and he he does offer some you know a kind of outlet for these for these men that are maybe struggling on the on the female front and are, are looking to target their frustrations at, at somebody other than, than themselves in a way. Yeah, as well. I guess, I mean, I haven't seen, this This is the thing, I haven't seen every Andrew Tate clip as well because mm-hmm. I, I don't use TikTok or anything like that. So I've probably only seen several videos on him. That's, that's probably about it. So maybe there's things that he said that I'm not aware of. Um, but for me personally, I, I don't even know how much he'd really influence the opinions of, of others on these things. I just, I can't imagine that ever... Because if you're the sort of person that's getting influenced by that, are you really 
like talking to women at all. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, well, I think that's the issue. <laughs> I think that is that is the I think dialogue is is definitely the issue. It's 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 more for me the way it's so obvious how he portrays himself basically as the alpha, you know, the nickname with the you know, I work out and I've got this slick. Know, bald head or whatever it's done you know predictably and purposefully to target you know his work shall we say loosely towards people that maybe aspire towards that lifestyle don't have it and think that having that lifestyle having that body having those looks having that attitude and those attitudes towards women will help them in that department mm. it, it's it's been done many a time before hasn't it and i think it's a george peterson i mean when he back when he was kicking around big time I think 80% of his viewers on, on YouTube were male. Mm-hmm. He still because, is kicking around, by the way. He's still got massive audience. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure that I think maybe not now, maybe he's probably maybe broadened his appeal, but back then he was talking primarily to young single males that were struggling. Yeah, he's definitely still talking to men, I think. I think yeah. uh, definitely still doing that. But yeah, I don't know. For me, it's... Uh... It's a weird one. It's a weird, definitely a weird one. The way that, because uh, as I said in the previous po- one of the previous podcasts we did, definitely profiting off a generation of lost men. Right, yeah. there's, there's no doubt about that. That's that's who he's targeting there. But yeah, you're right. His views are probably more widely held than than we'd like to know. But they're just held by people outside of our echo chamber. <clears throat> yeah, and that's the point I'm making. But it's it's just something I thought I'd float. I mean, it's definitely definitely a controversial one. But uh, I wonder if people will get the point I'm making there. I hope so. I think you, we collectively articulated it very well, probably yeah, better than uh, than Andrew Tate's ever articulated a point. Good say. point. Good point. And on that note, we'll end things there. Thank you so much for watching. Thanks so much for listening. We'd appreciate you dropping a like, subscribing as well. We're trying to hit 500 subs. That'd be good. Yeah. And we will see you next week from the podcast. Cheers. See you later. <laughs>